Hello, friend. Welcome, Silver Bullets. Now, we know them as fixes for diagnostic work or, for that matter, any vehicle problem that provides a quick fix. My guest, Scott Shotton, says Silver Bullets can be used, but asks, test, improve first. I don't talk about it the same way because those technicians should already know, but it's my job kind of to remind them that their job is still the burden of proof. I will never put on a silver bullet class because you might as well just read TSBs. Welcome aftermarketers to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, welcome, Carm Capriato, the Automotive Aftermarket Podcast Guy. Hey, thanks for being here and for supporting the shows. You are in Episode 513 of Remarkable Results Radio. Now, these audio workshops are a pure and basic mode of delivering information from professionals to professionals. Share it with a friend, and thanks for being here. Hey, Remarkable Results Radio is proud to partner with Napa Auto Care in the upcoming 2020 Napa Expo. It's just around the corner, April 6th through 9th, 2020, and the plans are coming together to bring you the the latest innovations in the auto care industry. I'm going to the 2020 Napa Expo and do hope we can meet. Look for my studio and get to my panel discussion on transparent pricing. Hey, we produce three different aftermarket shows each week and you'll need to subscribe to each of them just once. And yes, they're free to subscribe and listen. Go to a special page on my website, remarkableresults.biz slash listen to get the links to your favorite app for your phone. If you earn your living in the auto service aftermarket, you don't want to miss these gems. I'm with Scott Shotton, owner of The Drivability Guys. Scott is a mobile diagnostician, is a post-secondary instructor at Kishwaukee College, and an industry trainer. Scott currently maintains 21 ASE certifications, including Master Automotive Technician, Master Truck Technician, A9, L1, L2, L3, Alternate Fuels, and more. In this interview, Scott sets up the use of silver bullets as a resource in diagnostic work. He explains where silver bullets come from, how to use them, and most importantly, how to prove them before throwing apart at the problem. Find Scott's bio, the talking points, and links to his previous episodes at remarkableresults.biz slash e531. Hey, we live in a complex world of technology and the steep learning curve to run a great business. I'm creating and curating podcast content to make your life easier. It's not just about deepening the connection with my audience, but I vow to make a difference in you. Hey, now let's talk silver bullets. Welcome to Scott Shotton. Hi, Scott. Hey, how are you, Carm? I don't know if you know this, man, but this is your third episode with me. Third, something like that. Well, you're not keeping track, but I am. <laughs> That's uh, your job. It's, yeah, I guess it is my job. Drivability guys, uh, you're an automotive instructor. Uh, you're, you're a mobile tech. I mean, do you sleep? <laughs> I try to. Usually on the recliner in front of the TV at about, you know, two o'clock in the morning. Amazing how that works. Hey, let's talk about a very interesting topic inside of our industry called silver bullets. What's the definition in your perspective, Scott, of silver bullets? The definition of a silver bullet is they, they really come from a pattern failure. 
And pattern failures are, you know, hey, this particular piece breaks on this particular car with high frequency. And then you end up with a silver bullet. The silver bullet, the definition actually then would be the fix for that pattern failure. And pattern failures, 80% of the time, uh, these silver bullets are right? Any idea? Well, it kind of depends on each one. So, you know, where do we get the silver bullets and so forth? But I got some statistics here, if you don't mind. When I worked with uh, the Illinois EPA and their emissions testing program, they track all the failures for the emissions tests year by year, and you can do all the statistics. So we're going to go back a couple of years for the numbers I'm about to throw out, but we're going to go back a couple of years because technicians of hopefully all ages will understand this. We're talking vehicles that are about 10 years-ish old. Of all of the vehicles that fa- failed in the state of Illinois uh, about 10-ish years ago, I guess, by the, by the dates, uh, 13% of the failures were for catalytic converter codes. So P0420. 10% were lean codes. So P0171, P0174. Okay? Some common codes we're all completely familiar with. 8.2% was the number three failure was P0401, which is insufficient EGR flow detected. Okay. Now, nowadays, that code's a little less common because of variable valve timing and so forth. EGR systems are not as common as they were. So again, these are a little bit dated. But the point is that 8.2%, number three on the pie chart, says it's an EGR failure. If you break that down, again, because we have access to figure that out, let's figure out which manufacturer failed for that code. So of all of the cars that same year that accounted for almost 10% of the failures, 76% of them were Fords. Ford, Lincoln, Mercury, right? So that means that Ford, Lincoln, Mercury, and some Mazdas, for that matter, account for a huge number, huge percentage of a big number in the main pie chart of failures. Now, those of us that have been technicians for a while can play the silver bullet game. We can go, all right, cool. It's got a PO401 EGR insufficient flow detected. This car needs a DPFE, which is a delta pressure feedback EGR sensor. Extremely common failure, extremely pattern failure. In that case, you could play what we're going to talk about hopefully here shortly, play this the right way or play this the wrong way. You could throw a DPFE at it and you'll probably fix 80 plus percent of those cars because that was the most common failure. That was the pattern failure. In that case, the silver bullet, no matter where you got it from, and we'll probably talk about that in a minute as well, no matter where you got it from, your experience, a TSB, IATN, Identifix, whatever resource, you throw that at and you fix it. Then you become one of those shotgun shops that just throws a part in it. There is nothing wrong with that silver bullet. But the job of the technician is to, to diagnose and figure out, you know, prove it. Burden of proof. And I guarantee you, that of the, the model years that we're talking about, that a chunk of those Fords, because we're picking on Ford, a chunk of those had plugged EGR passages. Maybe a couple had chewed wires. Maybe one or two had, you know, PCM issues. So there's always that possibility of something else being wrong. So if you play the silver bullet game wrong, 
you're going to go, hey, it needs a DPFE. And I've seen it. Put a DPFE on it. Will you fix it? Eh, most of the time, but not always. And that is the reason I wanted to talk about silver bullets is there are shops out there, technicians out there that gamble with that silver bullet game. And they go, hey, this is the most common failure. Just sell it. Sell, sell the DPFE. Yeah, but 80% of the time, I mean, that, that's, that's better than playing the lotto. Agreed. However, if you care about your customers, you care about your shop's reputation, you, let's say you're the technician and your boss doesn't even know, if you care about your job security, you should diagnose the car. So to use a silver bullet correctly, fair enough. PO401 on a Ford of that vintage needs a DPFE most likely take a couple of seconds and prove it. So what the silver bullet does for the technician, if they use it correctly, is to, all right, cool, DPV is the most common problem. We test that first. Instead of wasting time taking parts apart and looking for, you know, plug passages and so forth. You can test. It gives you a, a reason to go that direction. Yeah, puts you in the right pew, in the right church, but you still have to find out what seat number you're in. Correct. Or you guess. The silver bullet, no matter where it came from, is, you know, gives you direction and that's it. Okay, let's think about where the silver bullets actually come from. We, we've had silver bullets for years. Uh, the first way you can get a silver bullet is from experience, right? So if you've been working on cars for many, many, many years and you realize that this plastic 90 degree elbow on the front of a 3800 engine, we're talking older now, Again, I'm trying to appeal to all groups, right? It's got a coolant leak. Yeah, you know, that plastic elbow breaks. So when you have a coolant leak, that's the first place you check. That doesn't mean you replace the elbow. You check it. So one is experience. Two is something we've had for a long time called technical service bulletins. And they come from the manufacturer. So if the manufacturer has seen enough faults, pattern failure, in a vehicle, they issue a technical service bulletin that says this rubber PCV port, this throttle body motor, this whatever the case is a common failure on this car. Here is what you check. And if that's it, you replace it. It doesn't say if you got this code, throw this part at it. It's still the tech's job, burden of proof to figure out what is actually wrong. The, the TSB helps them in that same direction. Same thing with IATN, Identifix, Diagnostic Network. The, the, uh, there's other resources as well. Same thing if it's from a reputable source, a vetted source of professionals. It says, hey, this is the most common problem. It's still the technician's burden, burden of proof. They still have to test it. Don't read the TSB. Don't read ITN. Don't do this and just throw the, the part at the car. And it gets back to a discussion that's happened in previous podcasts of the shotgun shop, throw, throwing the parts at it, right? So a silver bullet is a double-edged sword. If you use it appropriately, it gives me direction in my diagnosis, but I still have to prove or test and figure out, is this the actual cause on that car, root cause? How many people do you know how much... Have you seen how much do you hear that the proof 
is getting done or are we just stopping at that 80% and just... Okay, the the 80% number I just kind of threw out there because I don't have statistics to back that up. In, in my situation, because I train at different levels, okay, I have to deal with this a little bit differently. So at the college level where we got green technicians coming in, my job is to explain to them that, hey, this is what a TSB is. These are what some of your internet resources are. Again, as long as they came from a, a vetted source or a reputable source. But your, your job is going to be do the testing to, to prove that. It saves you time. When I am an industry trainer teaching at Vision and ATE and, and all these different things, I don't talk about it the same way because those technicians should already know. But it's my job kind of to remind them that their job is still the burden of proof. I will never put on a silver bullet class because you might as well just read TSBs. As far as my mobile job, that's where this really comes in. When I go and diagnose a vehicle mobile and I walk in and it doesn't matter who the technician or who the shop is, I can't count how many times I heard, oh, we, we replaced the mass airflow sensor. Why'd you replace the mass airflow sensor? Because Identifix said, it needs a mass airflow sensor. Well, did you test anything? No, I didn't test anything. It was just the top hit on Identifix or I'm not picking on Identifix. Identifix, IETN, whatever the case, it's the top hit. So they're that shotgun shop that is going, all right, cool. We're going to save diagnostic time and we're just going to do what is the most common failure. They throw the part on and hope it fixes it and they're gambling. So you are correct. The, the, Odds are higher than winning the lottery, definitely higher than winning the lottery, but they're not 100%. And when it comes really down to it, I want to be 100%. I want my students to be 100%. I want the technicians I deal with to be 100%. Test it. That's all you have to do. So the point to use a silver bullet correctly, I think we already covered how to use it incorrectly, to cover it correctly is to use the silver bullet to narrow down your diagnostic path and go, all right, this is the most common failure. So would it be appropriate to test that early in my diagnosis and save some time? Hey, it's Carm here with news about the new Napa Smart Sign, previously known as the Digital Menu Board. I like to think of it like a silent salesman on a TV near your service desk. It's an easy way for you to increase customer awareness of your current promotions and educate them about needed repairs and service. In other words, having a Napa Smart Sign will supercharge your sales. Napa Auto Care tests have shown one out of five consumers ask for a repair or service they've seen on the board. And targeted promotions resulted in double-digit increases. One auto care shop owner said, I've received amazing feedback. Customers are actually asking for additional services they see on the screen. Now that's what I call getting results. You choose the content for your Napa Smart Sign from a library of auto care services and repair topics. The Smart Sign comes with preloaded content. Just about anything you can think of is available from alternators and alignment to wiper blades and wheel bearings. There are over 150 topics to choose from. Templates can be customized with your location branding for a professional look. Some of the options include customer reviews from Kukui, Demand Force or MechanicNet, live news, and even the weather. Whatever content you choose, it's preloaded for you. Just as important, it's easy to change your services, prices, and video content anytime you'd like. Plus, the latest Napa National promotions are downloaded to you automatically. 
Of course, having a Napa Smart Sign gives your auto care center a professional, state-of-the-art look and feel that tells customers, I'm on top of my game. Now, that builds trust, which means recommendations are accepted more readily and customers spend more. Find out more about what Napa Smart Sign can do for your business. Talk with your servicing Napa store owner to find out more about the Smart Sign and all the other reasons to become part of the Napa Auto Care family, the largest network of independent repair shops in the country. Let me ask you a question about comebacks. Uh, I use the the parts cannon, or at least what, what I think is the correct silver bullet. I put the car on and I throw it out of the bay. Is there a, without, without testing, without doing anything, just by doing this, is, is the level of comebacks going to be high? Um, I'm going to say yes. I've seen it, but I don't have stats to back it up. But if you think about what I already said is let's just pretend that 80% of those Fords needed DPFEs. Back to that old example, okay? You put DPFEs on 100% of them, 20% of them are going to be comebacks. So think about it. You plug the scan tool in, you get that PO401, you know it's a Ford, you know it's got that pattern failure, you throw the DPFE on it and you ship it. So you have, you know, five minutes in, in, in the job, 10 minutes, what 15 minutes, whatever the case, the shop probably charged an hour, and I know there's been some discussions recently about how you charge for diagnosis, but let's say your labor fee was, I don't know, 150 bucks, whatever, time-wise, forget it. You charge 150 bucks and the, and the job's done in 15 minutes. It's gone. But if it's one of the 20%, then it comes back. Then what's that do for the shop? It's a comeback, like you said, which does something else because now you have to re-diagnose, most likely for free because it's a comeback. Second of all, you lost confidence with the customer. So you're going to lose a customer. It's no wonder, again, I see it all the time, me being a mobile tech, I see it all the time. These shops that aren't, are struggling, maybe not the only reason they're struggling, but they're struggling, it might be because they're doing this and they're losing confidence from their customers. The technicians need to be trained, another topic that's come up many times, They'd be trained and just suck it up. Take the extra 10 minutes it takes to test the DPFE and prove that's what it needs. You're still under your $150 or whatever your labor charge is. You, you can still be done fast, but you're, you got to care about the customer too. Can you tell them to listen to your podcast, by the way? Yeah, I know. Uh, thank you so much. I, I could tell you, you are conditioned. You open up a can of worms in my mind about... But taking the extra step and and building your your reputation and finding the degree of training and you know hiring and I mean God all these things are going through my mind. We're in that you can't afford twenty percent of comebacks on diagnostic work. You just can't. Well, you want my opinion? You can't afford any comebacks. Basically, exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah, right. They are going to happen. They're, they're going to happen because accidents happen. We're all human. You could have a part failure or whatever. But it, it pains me. When, when a comeback happens because anybody said, ah, you know what, just throw this part at it. And then it's a comeback, it's, like, it's your own fault. This is good information. I love it. I appreciate us going in, in this direction. We've, we've done this before on the show. And we've, we've had a couple of great YouTube discussions. But, you know, this whole burden of proof thing, I, I'm wondering if 
we could convince some shop owners to be able to go there to their diagnostic people that that look for a silver bullet that have the knowledge of where to go and then say as part of our process we've got to have burden of proof that's pretty much what i'm saying i'm repeating it that maybe someone just needs to say in our diagnostic processes team we're always going for burden of proof instead of the quick, what we think is the quick fix, because we want to reduce comebacks and we want to retain this level of customer. Technically, what you said should be everyone's mindset, every technician's mindset, because your job is to diagnose the car correctly as a technician. So whether you do it without silver bullets or you have a silver bullet from a reputable source that speeds up your diagnosis. I don't care which route you take as long as you come to the end conclusion. And the end conclusion is diagnosing, testing, diagnosing, and fixing the car correctly for the customer, for the shop, for yourself. There's got to be some pride in this as well, right? Self-pride. That's the end goal. I was going to say the old brake shop that just throws brake pads on do and sends you out the door. And then you come back and go on their squeaky. Yeah, well, what did you get? You paid cheap money for cheap brake pads. They're going to squeak. If you, if you go to a shop that shotguns parts based on reputable or not reputable, doesn't matter. They shotgun parts based on what they read on the internet or whatever resource they were using. You get what you pay for. The technicians that take the time, the shops that take the time, the shop owners that say, as you said, Carm, says, here is our process. The first thing you're going to do when you pull that car in the door, you're going to pull the codes, you're going to check TSBs, you're going to check Identifix, take five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever the case, check it real quick. Don't shock on the part, but keep that in mind when it's time to test a wire with an oscilloscope or with a voltmeter or check a scan data PID or see if there's a calibration update or whatever the case may be. I mean, there's, again, I, I talk about the reputable sources. There's TSBs out there. TSBs technically are silver bullets. You know, Identifix, ITN, I'll say the names over and over again. It doesn't matter. There's other, rep, there's other ones out there too, you know, but that doesn't mean that's going to fix the car. I don't care if Toyota says this particular Camry, and I'm just making this up, this particular Camry of this particular model year with this particular engine that has this particular code, here is the problem. They're not saying that. They're saying that this particular code could be this problem, and here's how you test it. You got to follow, you got to read the whole TSB and, and then do the appropriate test. Right, But too many people are misusing silver bullets, and they have been for years, and just going, oh, it says, hey, reprogram the PCM. Well, did you do the testing? Do the testing first before you do it. Scott, I've heard you say vetted, non-vetted, reputable source, uh, non-reputable source. Can you clarify what you're trying to say to me here? The experience, because we talked about that before, uh, with I've seen this car fail in a particular way many times for many years, your experience is, is definitely good because it's proven, provided you fix the car. The second one would be reputable, would be technical service bulletins from the manufacturers. 
if where those came from are pattern failures that field service engineers got called out to figure out, hey, this keeps failing on this car. What could the issue be? So a, a technical service bulletin is a reputable one. Then we get into the internet. And this kind of piggybacks on some of the recent podcasts you had with uh, YouTube and, and things of that nature. Any one of us can Google or search all kinds of stuff and find things on YouTube and forums and blogs and so forth. But I guarantee you that if you punched in something like Subaru with a P0171, a lean code, right? You're, you're going to end up finding, and I didn't do this today. I should have done it before this podcast, but you're going to end up finding blog posts of people that are modifying their Subarus and putting on different blow-off valves and larger turbos and modifications. And as a professional, let me put it that way, I read through some of those sometimes because I do Google things, right? And I can look at those and go, this guy's full of stuff, right? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe in the performance world, but when it comes to, after, not aftermarket, factory vehicles, if we've got this code, what you're talking about has nothing to do. So it's not a good, it's not a vetted, it's not a reputable source. So you have to be careful, again, piggybacking on the, the YouTube conversation. Uh, you can find good stuff, you can find bad stuff, and it becomes really hard to dig through those resources, especially if you're newer in the industry, right? Um, it's, it's hard to dig through those and find out what's actually right. Because I could go right now, let's say you had a blog on uh, GM 3.6 liter engines. Cool. And can we performance modify them? I, I don't know. I, I don't look at that stuff. But there could be an issue with that particular engine. And there might be a bunch of comments about, oh, it has low power. And, you know, oh, you need a mass airflow sensor. It's a common failure. Okay, fine. So you throw a mass airflow sensor, it doesn't fix it. But if you would have read from a reputable source, we could have a crankshaft reluctor that's shifted on the crankshaft, and now the ignition timing is retarded, causing a low power issue. And that is a published GM failure. So we got two resources. We've got the TSB, or whatever G, uh, information that GM put out, I said, this is an issue that causes this problem and will give you the right direction. That came from a, we'll call it a vetted source. Or you could have the people that are working in their garage that maybe don't know what's going on. And they're going, oh, put a mass airflow sensor in. Not to say that, not to say that everyone working in their garage doesn't know their butt from a hole in the ground. Interesting stories that there are some really good, good stuff on YouTube from quote unquote non-professionals that, you know, do some really good discovery. But again, your, your word of caution is to vet it and to be careful if you're going to try anything because it may put you in a deeper hole. Right, right. And, and that was exactly my point. But how does the end user know that it's vetted? So for example, there is good stuff on YouTube. So we got Paul Danner. Right? He puts out great material. Okay, Trained by text guys, they put out good material too. But if you log into some of the stuff or search some of the stuff that came up in your previous podcasts about YouTube, you, they might be not correct. Let's put it, I'm trying to bite my lip here a little bit. 
we're trying to be as objective as we can and and, and steer our professionals in, in in the right direction and to have one of these you know personal moments that that helps you decide you know where you're going to go and you know in your learning curve and I, I would guess that if you followed a good discipline, Scott, TSBs, the vetted internet-based sources we have, your personal network, you're you're going to stay closer to the main line. And you're going to learn from it. And you're going to just be better at what you do. Correct. And again, prove it. Prove it to yourself. Whether, let's say you were super tech and you told me that this is the problem with this car and we're a thousand miles away. I still have this car a thousand miles away from you. I have to prove it to myself. The appropriate way to use a quote unquote silver bullet is to take that information Keep it in the back of your mind and go, all right, we're going to expedite my diagnostic process and test that early, but test it and prove it. I've been talking about the technician's perspective from a silver bullet, a TSB or whatever the case, but the shop owners that are listening to this also need to know that don't expect your technicians to pull this silver bullet out and it's going to fix the car. Understand that the silver bullet is going to get them in the right direction most likely but they still have to they still have to have the time to to prove it the labor time how much time it takes them to do it it's going to be shorter if you use it correctly don't shotgun the part take the extra couple of minutes to do the appropriate test and then make the call before you call the customer always learn great stuff from you scott shotton thanks for coming on and um, setting me straight on silver bullets. Thanks for having me, Carb. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.